everybody uh, welcome to episode 16 of opposites react today is wednesday may 13th and this is tyler i'm here with sarah of course hello hope everybody's doing well out there and uh well as we usually do we'll start our podcast today by talking about what we've been up to last week anything new with you absolutely nothing so playing persona and picross and animal crossing that is much correct. Your, your main trilogy that is it. okay until something is beaten yes um and i guess yeah nothing's changed for me uh still obviously uh animal be the show 20 and uh, apex legends which yesterday dropped their new season season five sure did big updates huge i won't go into details i could probably talk the whole podcast about the patch notes <laughs> and whatever but let's just say they've, they're doing a lot of things to try and keep it fresh i'm sure a lot of players that war off season four will return at least for a bit even yep, take a break from war zone sure. or try a new character yeah new character new the map changes, map changes yep. different a lot of different, a lot of even character changes too a lot of stuff that they've, they've done to keep the game fresh which is impressive um yeah and like i said it will be the show is still good uh there's still rolling out tons of content for it uh it's nice to see uh last was it last week yeah last friday when they had a like every friday there's a new card pack that comes out they call them headliners mm. usually like high diamond cards that are on the market for a few days uh, like pulling the packs i mean and the packs go away and you can only buy them through the market or hope you get lucky in a regular right. pack but so it's nice to see that they, they put out on friday uh, like a 96 paul Molitor, who was on the blue jays world series teams back in the early 90s okay nice to see a little more blue jays love because so far mm -hmm. the blue jays content's been a little lackluster right i mean they did do a um the second inning program had the joe carter boss okay i got the joe carter card it was like a 93 dime which is good but in terms of the um the other content like the like the the diamond vlad cards a little underwhelming they came mm. out with a diamond bobachette recently from that players tournament yes which is a good card like it's an 86 it's but good. probably won't make your lineup um it'll make my lineup at least the bench bat like right. both, for most people it probably wouldn't be your starting shortstop right. uh and then the future stars one that the jays have in their affinity program some no-name shortstop kevin mm. smith like people were really disappointed by that so seeing the paul molitor coming out with it's a pretty cool, it's a really good card okay yeah so let's see the jays get some love new events starting uh tomorrow the uh thursday yeah thursday is when the events oh. switch over yeah i thought it was friday nope thursday uh it's usually around like 4 p.m or something i think okay. i can't remember east 4 p.m eastern but uh yeah so it'll be a switch hitter event okay which will be interesting some new rewards to go with that event so it's kind of interesting too this year they're doing something different so like a lot of the events will have it'll say like like the one they have on now it's like live series event part one they call it oh or stage one part one, stage one, part one. <laughs> so the last couple of events they've had like part one and part two so like if it's your wins are cumulative in these events right okay. so if you win 20 games one week and then the event switched over to part two you still carry over carry over from your 20 wins oh right so with this one the current one they have on now the live series yeah. event like like say for example i have 10 wins in it right now okay uh so the event starting on thursday is different it's a switch hitter event so right. my wins won't carry over to that right but later on in the season they're going to have live series part two uh, and you pick up where you left off with your cumulative wins yeah so it's kind of nice that people don't have to like grind out like people are like worried about getting like 50 wins to get the diamond cards right so like you don't have to grind all that within you'll have a week. another chance you'll have another chance later okay. on in the year so it's nice they did that yeah <clears throat> yeah so i think that's uh is there anything coming out new for you recently for your games nothing on the horizon no. new release wise um yeah. i keep forgetting that xenoblade comes out at the end of this month okay uh so i'm hoping something gets beaten <laughs> yeah you got yeah you're gonna need to get into that so because yeah I, I have wanted to play the game in the past i imported it when it was released in 
in Europe first and not North America, and it was too ugly for me to play, so then I got the new 3DS version, but then it was still uh, too ugly for me to play, and then I downloaded it for the Wii U, and it was still too ugly for me to play. This has to be the version that I can read the text on, please. <laughs> That's all I'm asking is to read the text, because I really want to play this game, because I have all the, the whole series. So, just hoping. Cool, cool. Well, uh, I got a topic for us this week. It's gonna be a short topic. That's okay. I don't think I'm gonna spend a lot of time on it. Uh, well, we'll see how it goes. I always say that, and then I end up rambling <laughs> for 20 minutes. This is true. Like to be honest, all the movies on this list, I could probably talk about these movies each for like a, a full podcast. But I'm just gonna be concise here. And uh, so, I mean, I got kind of a split topic here this this week. Um, the main topic is going to be uh, movies that I regret not seeing in theaters. Right, you did talk about this. Uh, okay. I alluded to it in a previous podcast. Yeah. So I don't have a, a very long list here. I was actually looking at my wall of movies earlier, and I was thinking to myself, I thought there'd be a lot more movies on here that I hadn't seen in theaters. Maybe I mean, I mean, own them. it's true that too. Uh, I mean, obviously there's like movies on my shelf, like going back to the '90s. I'm not going to put those on my list because I was only a kid back then. So yeah, like where, whereas whereas I could say for example, okay, I'll, I'll mention one now that I didn't write down on my list, but it's a good example of this. Would be like. Like when I, I didn't see Jurassic Park in theaters because I was a kid at the time. Right. Like the first Jurassic Park came out in '93. Yeah. I kind of regret not seeing when it was re-released in theaters like four or five years right. ago. They re-released it in like a. It might have been in a 3D. Maybe that's what threw me off. Maybe it was only really? released in 3D. I Ew, don't remember. Gross. But just seeing that on the big screen would have been cool to see as an adult. Well, I think it happens a lot more nowadays though because you'll <laughs> you'll say, "Oh, I'll wait till it's on a streaming service." Mm-hmm. So I think you won't see it on your shelf either, just because. Like you've streamed it. When I, I'll get to the movies in a sec, but like the main reason why I didn't see some of these movies on my list, or why nowadays even I, I kind of hesitate going to the movies, just because it's not that I don't want to see the movie. It's that time thing for me. Like you know, obviously a movie is going to be two to two and a half hours. Yeah. Maybe not counting previews. So by the time you drive to the theater, uh, and I like to be early, so I want to. Yes, get, you do. Uh, Before the lights go dim. Yeah. Uh, I, don't know, I hate people that show up during the previews. I know, pet you do. We can do a whole I podcast know. on pet peeves. We're not getting into that. <laughs> but yeah, I show up early to a movie. So if I'm going to drive, say, 20 minutes from here to go to the movies, two, two and a half hour movie, by, th- by the time I get home, you're probably looking at at least a three hour window there. Yeah. Right? Where you're. So, you know, a lot of times, like, and again, I like to. I don't like going usually to like busy crowds on weekends stuff. I usually go to like yeah. a weeknight or, uh, or like an early showing on a yeah. weekend. So. So a lot of times, like during weeknights, I don't bother going. So I'm like, okay, I'm at home. I just want to relax, Chill. play video games yeah. all night, that kind of thing. So a lot of times, I just I keep saying, I, I keep pushing it off. Yeah, I'll get around to see that movie, and then of course it's out of theaters, and yep. I've lost that chance. So um, in no particular order here, I'm looking at my list. So uh, the most recent one, uh, if we're going to go guys chronologically here, the most recent one that bummed me out that I really should have seen in theaters. Uh, and I think a lot of other people feel the same way based on the bo- the box office returns for it was uh, Blade Runner 2049. You didn't see that in theaters? I didn't. Oh, man. I, know. I don't know what I was thinking. That was like a trip. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, seeing it at home, obviously, on a big screen with a nice giant sound system, you still get it's it. It's nice, it's, but it's not yeah. the theater. Experience. Yeah, that movie was uh, not only a visual spectacle, but the sound was amazing. And honestly, too, I was kind of wish I'd gone to the theater just to support it because yeah. it, it, it was one of those, it's obviously, for those that don't know, like the original Blade Runner came out in 1982, huge cult classic, like Harrison Ford, mm. kind of kicked off a huge sci fi thing in the 80s. Okay. Uh, so, and so, yeah, like this is a sequel to that, like something like, what was it, 35 years later or something? uh like 35 real years i mean not, not, <laughs> yeah. not movie years uh and uh yeah like a lot of people were like so excited for like oh man harrison ford's back you got ryan gosling in he got a good director you got like, Hans zimmer doing the soundtrack like, mm-hmm. what can go wrong with this right and it really is it's a really good movie but people didn't go out to see it in theaters Why do i don't you think know it's that though i, I think it was long. I, I don't know if it was part of the marketing like the okay. trailers weren't 
I should say the trailer. I did. I did like the trailers for them, but for some reason, I feel like I remember hearing the trailers being divisive. Like people were like, "Yeah, I don't know." Like, I don't. I don't know what. Maybe did it come out at a weird time? I can't remember what time it released. Was it a summer movie? Yeah. I don't know why it did so bad, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I I know, like on uh, in terms of like uh, digital sales, Blu-ray sales, stuff like that, it 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 made really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure the studio probably got its money back, but it definitely didn't profit or or make a huge. It wasn't a huge box office success. So expect another one. No, I mean, no, there won't be another one of these. But uh, yeah, that that but that one, I I remember like watching at home and just thinking to myself, like, man, why the heck did I not see this in a the theater? Mm-hmm. Like, if I could go back and take anything back over the last like five years for seeing a movie, it, it would one. be that one. Yeah. Huh. Um, next on the list would be, and I'll keep this one brief. So I, I've already alluded to this movie in probably two different podcasts before. <laughs> uh, so this one goes back to what was it, two thousand six? So I would have been, I would have been out of high school by then. I think we're just out of high you school. Maybe the graduating year. I was definitely at the age of like going to movies like by myself kind of thing like i know yeah. i know the excuse of like oh i have to go see with my friends my mommy kind of has thing. to drive me right like i could have gone to see it by myself and honestly this is one way again when i watched it at home on a big screen with a great sound system i was like yeah this would have been good in theaters that's for sure and it's the fountain oh the fountain would have been a, a you a, wanted a crazy... to cry in the theaters you wanted an excuse no nah, it's not even that it's just it, it, that movie is really a visual and, and oral just amazement i wouldn't you know have I mean? appreciated it at that age <laughs> That that's true, yeah. Like, yeah, if they were gonna re-release it now in a theater, I'd be there day one. Yeah, I would go see sure. it for sure. See it on a big screen. Uh, the next one that really bumps me out is, uh, and again, I don't know what I was thinking at the time. This one came out in '05, so we're talking. I'm still probably in high school at the time, but still, you definitely were. Yeah, well, hang on. I, you graduated in '06. Did you I graduate in no. '05? But you I graduated in '05, right? Yeah, I did next year. Uh, so this one, uh, I'm just gonna not beat around the bush. Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. So, I can't believe you didn't see that in theaters. Well, okay, so at the time, because you have to remember, like obviously everybody saw Dark Knight in theater. Dark Knight was yeah. huge. That was in 08. Even I did. Batman I Begins, theaters. like if you were a fan of the old Batman stuff, like the Batman films from the 90s were terrible. No, sorry, I'm sorry, I, sh- I should specify not all. I, I don't mean the Tim Burton. forever. Because Tim Burton's, so Batman was, eight, Batman. the first Tim Burton Batman was 89. Batman Returns was 92. That was a good one too. I got nothing against the Tim Burton ones. I'm talking about the Joel Schumacher ones, the Batman Forever. No, that's good. And the Batman Robin. Also not as good. They're, they were can- When you're a kid, yeah, they can't be good. You Love watch them. them now, they're terrible. I have not gone back to watch them because I don't want to ruin So them. I think a lot of people coming off of those two Batman films were just like, oh, it's like another Batman origin story. And again, like, because again, like Christopher, Christopher Nolan, one of my favorite directors did it. But at the time, he wasn't a huge yeah. name yet. He'd done a couple good movies. Yeah. This was his first like big sort of budget, like super, like obviously not super a chance. Yeah, his big blockbuster breakthrough role, right? And again, he had Christian Bale in the lead role. And Christian Bale, again, was pretty up and pretty coming, decent but, at the time. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't like huge yet, but he was, he was a name actor. But yeah, I remember watching this one at home uh, on Blu-ray and I'm just thinking like, this movie is ridiculous. Like, the, <laughs> like, again, it's like the act, the acting, the the just the way the way no one does everything in the movie. The writing, the acting, the cinematography, the uh, the music by Zimmer. My God, like, wait, was it Zimmer? Uh, was it Zimmer yet? Or was it? Uh uh-uh. uh Why am I thinking it's James Newton Howard? Was it? Okay, I gotta look it up. Hang on, I cannot be wrong about this. I know for sure, obviously Zimmer did. It had to be Zimmer, right? I mean, hang on. You're looking at me like I know this. Why do I think? Why do I, did he, did Zimmer do it with James Newton Howard? I'm really doubting myself here. Man, I should know this. Uh, I'm ashamed as a Batman fan here. I see the Google machine. Uh, it is okay. It's both. There you go. See okay. Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's either both or one or the other. And even like Liam Neeson in the. That's true. He was definitely role. in there. I won't spoil it. Um, for people that haven't seen it yet, but he, his role in the movie is great. 
Yeah, so that one for sure. And, and it, um, you know what sucks is what? when like the Dark Knight Rises came out, they mm. didn't go back and play the other two in theaters like they do nowadays. Mm. Yeah, it would be cool to see like I would I would go for a whole day to watch all three back to back to back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I could do I could do like eight hours in the theater. But it would have been like even shorter. It would have been two movies before the Rises, and mm. it's like that would have made easy money. Yeah, yeah. I assume a lot of people were in the same boat you did, where like they everybody did see Dark Knight, and it's like, hey, I want that experience for the first one. So yeah, it's silly they didn't do that. The next one on my list is kind of an interesting one because compared to the other three, this one's a little bit slower. This one's definitely more of a drama. Uh, it's a long movie too. I think it's probably going to be over two and a half hours. But uh, another one that was like a box office dud, which is a shame. I think it's a really good film. And, and like for this one, for me, like seeing this one on the big screen has, doesn't really have to do with like, there's not a ton of action in this one. Not a good soundtrack, but not like an amazing soundtrack. It's, it's nothing like that. Like the other movies are really drawing with the, the heavy sounds and the... the the visual feast of, of you know current films but uh for this one it's it's uh back in so again this was it came out in 07 07 was a really good year for movies mm-hmm. uh like off the, sounds good it was like off the top of my head you had like i remember the ones i saw in theaters like gone baby gone no country for old men uh 310 yuma like a lot of other good movies that year. animated one in there too probably yeah one. so this one was really under the radar though and unfortunately i think it's one of my favorite western movies but it's not like a hard. It's a. It's oh, not. No. It's not Western like Three Ten Yuma was a oh. Western. This is a Western more in the setting and the storyline. So it's the assassination of Jesse James. Brad Pitt. With Brad Pitt, yeah. Uh, long. Yeah, but that movie, seeing that at home, I really appreciated. I actually appreciate how slow paced it was. It just it really let the film breathe. Draw. Yeah, like the, it built up that huge the relationship between Casey Affleck's character Robert Ford and the Brad Pitt Jesse James character. Casey Affleck's in it. Yes, <laughs> he's the main character. You could argue who's the main character. I mean, the name. I thought like, Brad Pitt was. Well, the name of the movie is the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. So technically, oh they're gosh. both. Even the title. Exactly. Is wrong. It was, uh, people give that title uh, a lot of crap, <laughs> but it's it's a good title when you think, especially when it comes to the end of the movie. It comes full full circle. Yeah, but you don't need to explain the end of your movie <laughs> in the title. Yeah. Well, anybody who knew anything about history knew well, how I Jesse James died. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that was that would have been a really cool movie to see in theaters. Although I would like to go see it by, by myself. I feel yeah. like I feel like if you went with a bunch of friends, especially like at a high school age, no one would really appreciate it back then. So, but that is one I, I wish if we were going to reshow that anytime around here, I would definitely go see it. I can't it. see a reason why it would, but mm-hmm. I can hope for you. Yeah, so those ones off the top of my head, just a few that uh, like I know. Here's been my theory about going to movies, at least in the last like since I've been. Let's, let's say an adult since I've been out of high school and on my own and with a car have my own transportation like that yeah. my theory about going to movies I've seen yeah I've seen some bad movies in theaters um, I try not I try not to go into intentionally bad films like if if, if I was going to go with a friend what I just had a sudden realization okay like, what, what yeah, you're not going to drop my thought okay what? you know you're talking about like how 05 and 06 were years when you like missed movies mm-hmm. i wonder if it's because the movie theater that was like in walking distance of your house was gone at that point i mean that may, may have had a little bit to do with it yeah that's true i did see a lot of movies at that theater and then yeah like that's a time hmm. where around it was taken away so i wonder yeah, it's a, it's if a that valid, had to do with valid it. theory yeah i mean i tell you if i like i said right now i live anywhere 15 to 20 minutes away from a movie theater where we live here in canada uh, I tell you, if I live like five minutes away from a theater or even within walking distance, I'd probably go to movies every day. Like I'd be there every day just because it's like it's right there. For me, it's like I'm even glad at, the IMAX is like an hour away. Then. Yeah, seriously. If I was, <laughs> if I was, yeah, it'd be expensive. Um, but what was my initial thought going to be? Uh, you said you wouldn't forget it. I know. I haven't. No. Okay. So I don't. I can probably count on. Well, maybe not one hand. I can count on both my hands probably. In the last ten years, the number of bad movies I've seen in theaters. 
Like, it's very rare that I see a terrible movie. I don't think you've even ever walked out of a theater. Oh, no, no. I would never walk out of a movie, no matter how bad it is. I got I to gotta see that thing yeah. through to the end. Because you never know. Yeah. I mean, a movie could have a terrible first half and maybe pull off something crazy at the end, just to change your, your thoughts on it. But I always think, like, see, again, those movies that I mentioned there, those four that I regret not seeing. Yep. Um, I would take the chance on going to see a bad movie any day rather than missing a great movie like that. Like, I'll, I'll happily spend $10 kind of on a movie and be like, yeah, that was okay. Like, yeah, I could have seen it on Netflix and I wouldn't have missed anything theater-wise. Maybe the story wasn't great. Ending didn't come together. But missing out on gems like that, that just, that haunts me. Like, I would, I'll, t- I'll take any chance to go see it. There's so many times I've gone to a movie with no expectations and come out being like, man, that was awesome. I'm so glad I went to see that, you know? So what you're saying is or you e- move. Yeah. <laughs> or even like going into, like... Yeah, again, it's all about expectations, right? Like, say for example, like you remember last year I went to go see the new Rambo movie. Yes, and did. I went in with one exact expectation: I want to see Rambo, Rambo chopping off people's heads yeah. and blowing people away. And that's exactly what I got. Yeah. It, it was a terrible movie. Don't get me wrong; <laughs> like the story was terrible. Some of the acting was really questionable. Even Stallone. But you had to do it. But I had to see it. It's Rambo in theaters. Like, I, yeah. So just like again, if they did a new. If somehow they pull off a new Rocky movie. Mm. Like, actually, you know what they announced the other day? I think that they said, I don't know if it's confirmed that they're actually filming it, but they have it on the table. They want it. Like, all the actors want to do it. You might not know this movie, but a lot of those people from the 90s will. There's a movie in the 90s. It was called Demolition Man. I did not know. It was uh, Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. Okay. Kind of in their primes in the 90s. Tuned out. It was a futuristic, like, cop action movie. Like Robocop. Not exactly, but uh, so they're making a Demolition Man 2, apparently. They're making a Matrix 4, so anything can happen. Yeah, but I mean, Matrix was to 20 years ago. Demolition Man, you're going back almost 30 years. Like Stallone and Snipes, like Snipes is barely acting anymore. He's kind of coming back a bit since he got out of jail. Snipes, I mean, Stallone's still acting, obviously, but he's like pushing to what, 70s now? Actually, I saw a picture from the other day of Stallone. He's got kind of like the gray hair going and like gray facial hair. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, embrace that look. That suits you. Stop, <laughs> like, yeah. Get old, Hide embrace the gray. You know what I mean? Remember I told you the other day we saw a, uh, again, I don't know if he was doing it for a movie or not or if it's just something natural he's going with. Remember we saw a, a video the other day on Twitter. I showed you a video of Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, sort of had like some gray, gray going. I'm like, all right, you know what? Good for you. You're in your mid 40s. Why not? You know, if you're gonna embrace it, embrace it. Right? I don't think they'll show that in a movie, but no. If he's gonna play Deadpool or something, he'll go back to his normal hair color. But I said, yeah, you know what? That's cool. Okay, so uh, another brief topic I'm gonna touch on here. This might not. This is one that I kind of started on this list earlier, and I, I kind of ran out of time. I really wanted to go to a deeper dive on this, so I'm just gonna mention. You could. I know, um, but I'm going to mention two ideas for now, because I can talk about these movies a lot, I think. Uh, I'm going to mention two films here. For this one, I was just trying to think about movies that had tragic endings. Now, when I say tragic endings, I don't just mean a sad ending, because like, you could name probably what? 100 movies that have sad endings. So not endings. like Inception? Uh, that's an interesting one. I debated putting it on the list. I know where you're coming from with that. Like, we're not going to get into spoilers on that one, because like, the movies I am going to talk about here, there will be spoilers, so I'll warn oh. you about that before we get into it. But, yeah, I'm trying to, like... This could be a whole podcast in itself. I know. But again, I think I've seen so many articles and podcasts and videos about this topic. Again, I'm trying to get across. I'm not talking about sad film endings. Like an obvious one. Let's just say an obvious one right off the bat. I'm not going to get into spoilers. But anybody who's seen The Green Mile is going to know what I'm talking about with a sad ending. Well, that's like, that, but that's depressing. Right. But when, I think, when I'm thinking tragic, I'm thinking like, so there's, a, there's like a clear ending with this one with the protagonist. So in this case, I'm talking about movies where protagonists have survived, but maybe something that's happened during the movie that they thought they had resolved or that... So like Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Again, kind of. I was kind of going down that road, but not exactly. <laughs> I'm getting so close. I know. You're close. <laughs> you, see, that's what I mean. It's a very interesting time. I'm trying to be cl- very... 
picky with my list here. Uh, there's tons of movies. I'm looking okay, I'm looking at movies on my wall. I'm thinking, okay, am I just gonna pick all the movies that I cried in? Because there's gonna be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or is it gonna be? So I can't. For now, I think with two examples. I'm sure if I did some research, I could find out a lot more. But these two, I think, are pretty good. And oh, I think you've narrowed it down to two. I'm impressed. Let's hear that. Well, for, funny enough, they were the two that kind of like popped to my mind when I was thinking about this topic because they're movies. They're in, endings that have stuck with me. Uh-huh. Uh Like you know me, I love rewatching movies. Yes. I know you can't do it. Most some, no. some people some people can't. Some people don't want to rewatch like, a movie a second time. And I, I get that. Hardly ever do unless it's animated or yeah. The Sixth Sense. But I feel like a movie. Okay, like for example, a movie that we're one of these days we're going to do a podcast on The Prestige. Just then, whole episode on The Prestige. Okay, I because, have rewatched that movie. Yeah, that one. I would actually rewatch it again. Well, yeah, that's a movie you can like watch it for the first time and then want to rewatch it yeah, right again to afterwards. See all stuff, yeah. yeah. So these ones, these are movies that I've rewatched a lot. They came out in the mid 2000s. I want to say one was definitely in 07. One might be in 06. Neither are both 07. I'm not actually sure. But like I said, 07, I think it was a good year for movies. Uh, I don't know. Anyone else came out that year was Zodiac. That's a good one. Oh, don't talk about I still have to rewatch that. It's on my list yeah. of stuff. So, anyway, so for these two examples, I'm going to go with uh, the first one. Again, I'm just going to let you guys know right now. There are going to be heavy, heavy spoilers because I'm going to talk directly about the endings of these movies. So if you haven't seen them, be warned now i'll give you a tell you tell you the title and then you can peace out if you want <laughs> so uh first one is going to be eastern promises you remember Wait, is that, that the one we saw in theaters is that the towel fight one yes in the bath yes in the naked towel fight <laughs> i know so that, that's that's the me. one takeaway from from most people <laughs> that's that, all i know about if that you movie. reference that movie that remember that naked that scene in the naked uh bath fight house? the, the bathhouse yeah, yeah. The russian bathhouse or whatever yep. so for context that it movie had a story <laughs> Come on! I don't remember. What a great story. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna explain okay. anyways. Now, unfortunately, I don't remember the, all the characters' names, so I'm just gonna reference the so the actors in this movie. It's directed by David Cronenberg. So if you've seen any of his past movies, I mean, God, he's done so much stuff. I, I can't even uh, like was it Videodrome, Eraserhead. Uh, he did uh, History of Violence, which was the reason I'm referencing that one is because that also starred Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen is the, I guess you could say he's the lead in this one. It also stars uh, Naomi Watts, uh, uh, Vincent Cassel. Castle, is that you say? Cassel. Vincent Cassel, he's a French actor. And uh, oh, the other uh, older actor I really like, I think his name's Armin, Armin Mueller-Stahl. He's, he was in... Uh, Angels and Demons among some okay. other things he's, he's got a great that guy's got a great voice if you saw this older actor he's got a great voice so anyways this movie the main actor main leads are Viggo Mortensen and Naomi Watts uh, so Naomi Watts plays like a, uh, I think she's a she's either a doctor or a nurse she, the movie starts at like a hospital and like a I think a woman is brought in and um, I think she gives birth and then she dies during the childbirth or something. If I'm remembering this correctly, I hope I am. I haven't seen the movie in a while. I'm just trying to go off my memory here. So she dies, and uh, Naomi Watts, I think, finds... I think the girl came in with, like, a journal or something, or she had it on her person. So Naomi Watts, like, reading through this journal and finds out that this girl, who I believe was, like, a teenager, like, maybe a late teen, uh, she, uh, she... The journal apparently says that she was, like, abused by this older... Uh, not old, sorry. Abused by this Russian family. Okay. And uh, so she kind of like, how do they, I'm trying to remember now how they come to find, do, does someone come to the hospital to claim the body? And I think that's where they find out about that she has the journal. So it all ends up coming to, they invite her to come to this, it's a Russian family, they own this restaurant. And uh, you have like a father and a son, and then you have like the, uh, their their bodyguard or chauffeur, limo driver character. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that's played by Viggo Mortensen. Okay. He does a great Russian accent in this movie. <laughs> uh, like not too corny like you can tell he's kind of hamming it up a bit right. but it's not like oh, cart- cartoonish russian yeah. accent but so uh, 
yeah, she brings the journal by to this restaurant, and uh, you can tell that the, the older Russian father runs the restaurant. He wants to get take the journal yeah. off, or he's buying some incriminating information. In it. And she knows because she's read the journal. Right. She knows what's in it, so she doesn't really want to give it back to them. And they obviously the thing like, okay, are we gonna have to kill this person, or are we gonna blackmail her, or how are we gonna get this journal fast. back? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. The Viggo Mortensen character is really like a dark horse in the first half of this movie. He's uh, because he's you can tell he's you can tell he's probably pretty ruthless. Like he looks like a violent person, um, but he also might be nice compared to the rest of the family because he's not really part of their family. Right. He just kind of works for them. So and like I said, it culminate it all culminates in like there's not a lot of violence in this movie. It opens with a pretty violent scene, and uh, but the uh, the the bathhouse scene, which I'm like I'm not going to spoil it here. Just and don't go watch on YouTube or anything. Watch this whole movie. It's the first time you see that scene. It's impressive. I mean, the concept of, of fighting someone, two guys that are fighting you with knives when you're naked, like you it's just, you, you feel so vulnerable, <laughs> right? Like it's just, and, and it really, it's a, it's a fight to the death and it's very violent. But, uh, besides that, so this is where the spoilers, heavy spoilers are going to come in here. So it's revealed probably two thirds of the way through the movie that the Viggo Mortensen character is actually an undercover cop working for oh. the, the sort of like the it's called the fsb it's like sort of like russia's federal bureau okay. division so he's undercover working for the russian family trying to infiltrate the organization get some you know find out what's going on so he can report back and maybe they can you know arrest some people or get tipped right. off about some illegal activity that kind of thing right so anyways so he um he develops a relationship like not like a not a uh, love affair relationship with the Naomi Watts character, but uh, sort of a, a kinship with her. He, he he knows where she's coming from, and and you know because he's an officer, he probably doesn't want to see any any harm come to her if possible, right? So he sort of like orchestrates to get the journal from her and still be able to use it against the family. Like he says, okay. that he'll like destroy it for the, on the family's behalf. They think he's going to destroy it because he works for them, right? right. They, he's loyal. They trust him. I think they actually near the end of the movie, they're going to like um, what do you call it? integrate him into the organization like make him a captain or something like part of the the russian family the mafia or whatever okay so so at the end of the movie like long story short the journal reveals that the father and the son both abuse that girl right that's how she became pregnant and uh so basically this kid the baby yeah the baby's fine the baby the the father tells the his son to get rid of the baby like throw Uh. it throw in the river or something but the the son can't do it because he has a little bit of a conscience like he doesn't really want to kill the kid either so and he him and the Viggo Mortensen character they're almost like brothers right like that's how close they are even though they're not related yeah so near the end the Viggo Mortensen character talks him out of killing the baby and then he says like we're gonna we're gonna put your dad away you're gonna be the new we'll run the organization together you and me right and we'll, we'll do things right right so like you know sort of a happy ending you have like the i think they they find a they i can't remember if they find an adopted family for the baby or if the naomi watts character just takes the baby herself i don't remember exactly who gets the baby but there's a happy ending there and uh so where, but here's, here's where the tragic part for me comes in is there's a scene i think probably midway through the movie where you see like the Viggo Mortensen character. I, really wish I, remember. I want to say his name's Nikolai, but I could be wrong. Maybe that's just the son's name, the uh, the son of the father. But uh, there's a scene where the Freedom Wars character is talking with the father at this table. They're sitting at this table in this restaurant. And uh, you can tell it's sort of like the head table, like the boss, where the mm-hmm. boss would sit, right? So there's a scene of, like earlier in the movie. And so towards the end of the movie, after the after the uh, the father gets put away and uh, and the son is, is I guess, going to run the organization now, but so the movie literally ends like the last shot is just Viggo Mortensen sitting at this table like holding these like the Russian beads you know, like those prayer beads that you yes. kind of play with or whatever you know you, you play visualize it so he's so he, because he's, he's undercover in this organization but now it's like he's in too deep so now it's like he's 
he can't get out like right. he's always going to be part of this organization yeah. until he, he gets killed or like you know whether they find out that he's undercover or whether he just dies from other crime related things inside the organization so the movie ends with a voiceover i believe it's i think it might be is it a voiceover of naomi watts reading the journal or the girl reading the journal this kind of voiceover that alludes to like past sins and past crimes haunting you forever kind of thing it just so the camera just kind of like zooms in the view and character playing with these beads and he was telling his mind he's thinking like okay so like this is you know this is my new life now right because mm-hmm. throughout the movie you can see that he's kind of like even when you think that he's a bad guy you can tell he's like clearly got a good conscience or he's not as ruthless as the rest of them and then when it's revealed like the twist near the end there where he's he's part he's an undercover officer you're thinking okay so this guy's I think he makes reference to being in the organization for so many years. Like he's been in there forever trying to nail these guys and they finally have some evidence. So now his superiors are like, well, you can't get out now. You're in too deep. You know, you got to ride this thing out and just. That's your life. That's your life from now on. Right. So I don't know. I think that was cool because it's just like, yeah, it's like happy ending for most people involved. Right. Like the dad got put away. The the Naomi Watts character and and the baby are okay. Even like, you know, the son who you're thinking is kind of a jerk during the movie. You're like, eh, maybe he's not that bad because you can tell like he was just like afraid of his dad and didn't want to kill the kid. So maybe now he'll be better. But it really just comes back to the Viggo Mortensen character and how he's never going to get out of this cycle of, right. you know. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Like to me, that's, that's always one of those. That's one of my favorite ending shots is I usually hate movies that end with like any kind of voiceover narration. Yeah, but in this case, like the, the plain text. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate that. Oh my god, that's if we could talk about any ending, and again, this is gonna be a spoiler here for a separate movie, so I'm going to make it very clear right now so you can piece it out if you want. Uh Unbreakable. You know, the Bruce Willis, yeah. the M. Light Shyamalan, Bruce Willis, Samuel Jackson movie. That's one of my favorite movies probably of the last like twenty years. Huh. Uh, but the ending, I do not understand what Shyamalan was thinking. Again, spoilers here. The ending just ends with the Bruce Willis character walking away from the Samuel L. Jackson character. And there's just text on screen explaining what happens next. It's like, yeah. oh, the Samuel Jackson character gets arrested. And I'm like, well, why are you freeze framing Bruce Willis and putting a line of text on the screen and showing me this? Why, why can't you either just sh- show you? Did you even need to tell me he was going to be arrested? Like, what do I care? I mean, yeah, it comes full circle, I guess. Finally, what was it? Seven, 18 years later when he made Glass. Like when he made, oh, yeah. To, to show Glass that Samuel Jackson character was actually arrested and put in an institution. Yeah. I'm like, okay. But at the time, I was just like, I hate movies that end with te- any kind of text. Unless it's a true story thing like in this case it wasn't a true story this was all fiction but if you're doing a true story thing you're trying to like get people up to date about what happened with characters after the movie ends i get that kind of unnecessary too but i get it Go but when you have it. something that's fictionalized why do you need a text ending <laughs> anyways my rant for that's over <laughs> next one i already realized i talked way more about eastern promise than i intended to um next one here another film from 07 I'm pretty sure Eastern Promise was 07 so I'm just gonna go with that I think they're both from 07 so this one's definitely 07 um gone baby gone okay so getting into spoilers here obviously do you remember how it ends I don't remember anything about that movie okay so the movie begins with is it boxing is there boxing in that movie no you think you think a million dollar baby oh that's what I'm thinking of what's gone baby gone okay that's the one with Casey Affleck and uh, like Michelle Monaghan and uh, Ed Harris. It's the one where the uh, crime one. Little girl gets kidnapped. Remember? Oh, the little girl. It's a Boston neighborhood. Boston. I remember the area. Boston. I don't remember little girl being kidnapped. Was there something at the baseball stadium? Like the heist? Is there I a think heist? of the town? For goodness <laughs> sakes! So I don't know all Boston movies. Gone is then. You know also the Boston movie, The Departed. You want to talk about The Departed? <laughs> no, I don't. I okay. Only listen to that movie. Gone Baby Gone. It's based on a novel. 
Yes, I know that much. Uh, I haven't read the book, but I'm sure it's really good because I like the author, Dennis Lahane. Okay. He's done a lot. Like, he did Mystic River. He did Shutter Island. He did The Drop. Mm, why don't you? Oh, The Drop. Yeah. That was one yeah, I know. you read. Yeah. So I haven't read the Gone Baby Gone book, but I'm sure it's good. So the movie is about uh, so Casey Affleck and his girlfriend, uh, Michelle Monaghan, they play uh, the detectives, like PIs uh for like you know like local crimes if people in the neighborhood just hire them if the cops aren't interested in these small crimes or if you know they want something if it's just like something secretive done they want to feel the cops have something illegal so they'll come to the pis so in this case you have a uh a mother whose daughter was apparently kidnapped in the middle of the night i think she was three years old three-year-old daughter and uh she was kidnapped with her uh like the mom makes a point of saying that uh she was like kidnapped out of her bed apparently she had her, her doll with her favorite doll mirabelle okay and make a big point of that, and that's going to come full circle in the, end of the movie. You'll realize the name of the doll. So, throughout this whole investigation, like long story, I'm not going to stop the whole movie. But long story short, there's a lot of twists and turns in the movie. It has to do with some police corruption. It has to do with some twists about who actually stole the girl and why they stole her. Like it's not as straightforward as the movies think it's going to be. Um, but be, and and the mother is like, I guess you're kind of you maybe part of you wants to sympathize with the mother because she's a grieving mother. Her daughter was stolen, but then you realize the mom's kind of trash. Like the mom's a druggie. A junkie like she's constantly like there's stories like the the uh the um like, i think she was a single mom and i think her her brother or her brother-in-law one of the other one of the characters that's related to her he want it turns out that he he was the one who schemed with some of his cop friends to kidnap the girl to basically rescue her to give her a better life they were, uh, they were going to kidnap her away from the mom who was neglectful and not like not abusive, but just like neglectful. And they were worried something was going to happen to the girl eventually with the kind of guy she hung around with. Okay. So they want to take her away and give her to a good family. So like in the movie, Morgan Freeman is a police officer. So he retires. There's a bit of a time skip in the movie. I think the Morgan Freeman character retires after the investigation is over. Like uh, when it's revealed that the girl is just like she ends up being gone. Like she's, she's, she's they declare her missing. They can't find her. She's presumably dead because there was a thing where there was a somewhere at the midpoint of the movie. There was like a uh, ransom situation that went bad, and they think that she had died during oh, this ransom situation. Okay, but that was all covered by the cops. They made it seem like she died, so they could whisk her away somewhere and give her a better life. Right. Um. So, and she, so at the end of the movie, the Casey Affleck character finally tracks tracks down. He finds out that she is living with a Morgan Freeman character. Oh. So him and his wife took her in, and they want to give her a better life. I think Morgan Freeman had a child. He's alluded to her in the movie. Morgan Freeman had a child that that he that had died that he lost some years ago. Right. So he wants to you know raise a child again and do it right. So, and the King's Affleck character in the movie has a very tough decision to make. He, like the she, clearly she's happy there. Uh, but you want to ride him out. But yeah, she's happy there with the Morgan Freeman family. She'll have a good life there. But the King's Affleck character is like, look, I made a promise to the mom. I said I would get her back. He's like, how can I live with knowing that? You know, like what happens if this girl grows up, grows up 20 years from now and tracks me down and says, you know, you found me and you you left me there. How could you not bring me back to my mom? And so his girlfriend is actually like really like torn on this decision. She tells him, like, I won't forgive you for this. Like, if you make the decision to take her back to the mom, like, I will leave you kind of thing. And he does. He brings the girl back to the mom. The, his girlfriend leaves him. So at the end of the movie, he's all alone. And this is where the tragic and this, again, this is one of my favorite film endings. And I really hope that this is true to the book. Like, I hope that the book did this as well. I mean, if, if they change it from the movie, then kudos to them because it's a great ending. But I feel like this would be true to the book. Um, yeah, so he's, uh, so at this point, at the end of the movie, he's all alone. But he feel like he's, he feel like he's fulfilled his mission. He's like, hey, I, I found this girl. I'm going to bring her back to her mom. Everything's going to be fine. It seems like the mom has kind of turned the corner at the end of the movie, too, because she's, like, cleaned herself up a bit. Like, she's looking better. She apparently, um, 
like she asks like Affleck's main character in the movie his name is Patrick Patrick Kenzie I think so she she asked Patrick if he'll uh, babysit the little girl for because she has a date like she with all the media attention that she got from her daughter going missing uh, got noticed she got noticed and some guys are want to ask her out now she's cleaned herself up a bit and she looks good right so yeah she so she was gonna um, get one of her neighbors to babysit or something and Patrick goes over to see her see her uh, I think her name is Helene her mom's name is Helene I can't remember the little girl's name unfortunately but so go, Patrick goes over to see Helene and she's like yeah I'm going on a date you can you can want to watch want to watch my daughter for me and he's like yeah sure i'll watch her why not right so so she goes out so then so the little girl's sitting on the couch with her doll watching tv so patrick goes this is where i said going back to the story of the movie the mom made a point of being like she left with her little doll mirabelle and everything and uh, so patrick goes down and sits beside this little girl and they're watching i don't know if they're watching cartoons or something or whatever she's watching right so he sits down beside her he puts his arm around her and he's just like hey how you doing good okay and then uh you know he's like uh he's like oh you still got your doll you still got mirabelle and then he looks at uh, the little girl, looks at Patrick, and goes, he, she's like, no, it's Annabelle. <laughs> and then he kind of just like, so sits there, he just kind of like, nods his head, and he just kind of like sits there and looks at the TV, and the movie just ends. And the first time I watched, the first time I saw it ending, I thought to myself, it's kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? And then I watched the movie again, and I realized the genius of that. Like, the, it's very subtle. I love the fact that, like, Ben Affleck directed this, right? Okay. This was the first one he directed. And I love how subtle he was with this ending, too. He could have really made it obvious. But I love the fact that just the, the, look, like, the look on Casey's face and a little nod and the, the blank stare he has looking at the TV just makes him acknowledge that the mom didn't know the name of her kid's favorite doll. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was, like, he went through all this to bring this girl back to this mom. And she doesn't know There's the name no of the first doll. Thing about exactly. Her. Yeah. So now you can tell the little bit of doubt on his face. He's like, "Oh, did I do the right thing here? Like, did I bring? Did I, should I have left the girl with the other family, or should right. I? You know what I mean? Just like that. That to me is a tragic ending because it's like, again, everything kind of worked out in the end. Like, little girl survived. Well, it's the legal thing to do that happened right, in the end. Right. But there's that moral thing there of like, you know, yeah. That's just to me. That was a when I again when I rewatched the movie again, I thought that was a brilliant ending. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. Okay, I do want to read the book now to see if that is still the case. How much of the movie holds up to the book? I feel like, I feel like, I can't remember if Ben Affleck wrote the screenplay with the author. Because if he did, then I'm sure it's pretty true to the book. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen that movie, if you either skipped all my spoilers to this point, good for you. <laughs> or if you heard the spoilers and you still want to watch it, I still recommend. Like I said, I skipped over a lot of the middle of the movie. There's a lot of good, like, dramatic stuff. Like the, it's got some of my favorite performances from. Uh, from Casey Affleck and Ed Harris. Ed Harris in particular playing uh, one of the cops who tries to do the investigation to try and find the little girl. He's amazing in this movie. There's this one scene where Casey Affleck and Ed Harris have this argument outside of a uh, like a hospital, like maybe midway through the movie. And man, like I thought, to, I don't know, I thought to myself, I don't know how Ed Harris can get nominated for an Oscar for that scene alone. It was like, ridiculous his acting in that scene. So, and like I said, for Affleck's first directing role, he's directed a lot more since then. Uh, I think after that he did The Town, which is another great movie I loved, and then he did. Uh, he had that one kind of dud that was unfortunate because again I really liked the book. It was that one called uh, "Live by Night." Okay, uh, I don't remember that. You one. Remember that one? Unfortunately, it was a bit of a dud directing wise. Did he do another one after that? I'm trying to I remember. feel he did. Uh, so yeah, "Gone Baby Gone" was Affleck's directorial debut. Um, after that, he did "The Town." Oh, that was the other one. Uh, twenty twelve, he did that one called "Argo." That was oh. based on a true story about the. Uh, Canadians that were stranded somewhere in the Middle East. I think it was in the 70s or 80s. And they had to, he had to go back and rescue them, bring them back on a plane. Remember that? Yes. Oh, no, yeah. I do remember that. I yeah. watched the movie. So he only does adapted screenplays. Uh, yeah. yeah. As far as I could tell. Well, no, hang on. Was the town based on a book? 
It was. Yes, you're right. Okay, he only does adaption, adapted movies. Yes. Which is not bad. It's just... No, yeah, yeah. He's good at him. And he loves his brother. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those are those are just, again, just two examples I had. I'm sure I can think of more of yeah. films with tragic endings. You I will think, to think, uh, of I'll more. think more on this. I'm not necessarily <laughs> even saying I'll do it next week, but I, I will revisit that topic at some point in the near future. So, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you took something away from that tonight, whether you wanted to... I'm going to go read a book and not listen to yeah. a movie. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know. It's... I'm trying to think of what's better: seeing a movie, seeing a, reading a book first, then seeing the movie, or seeing a movie then reading the book. Like, what would I want I've, to do? Like for the podcast, like, do I want to listen I, to the book first and then watch the movie? I think I've had a lot of instances, a lot of instances where I've read a book and then been disappointed by the movie, but not vice versa. So I feel like, but I don't want to watch the movie first and get somebody else's image in my head first. Like I have to make see, I find, see, I find, in my head. I find, see, I find that helps me. Like, oh I, no, that opposite. Yeah. Because now I have bad Harry Potter like, like, image like in my I'll, head, like, not the actual Harry Potter. Like I'll be honest, if I was going to read Shutter Island for the first time, I probably wouldn't picture DiCaprio in the lead role. But well, nobody pictured Tom movie. Cruise as Jack Ryan. Did I do that? Reacher. Right? Reacher. Gosh darn it! <laughs> Jack Ryan is a different property. I do always screw them up. Yeah. But yeah, he's <laughs> off. He's not Jack Reacher either. So yeah. But it worked out. But I don't. I don't like. I don't like having actors' heads in my brain cannon while reading movies kind of like watch Eastern Promises again yeah. well I'm sure yeah. you, when you find time other than baseball and Apex you could yeah, yeah it's not happening not happening <sighs> mm-hmm. okay well <laughs> it's sad truth like I said we'll be back next week everybody stay safe out there boys <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>